We are the reestablishment. Surprise, bitches. <laughs> it was us all along. We were the greatest <laughs> plot twist of all. <laughs> thing we read this week where we talk about the books that we hate to love and love to hate i'm caitlin and i'm savannah otherwise known as a kind guest <laughs> and welcome back to our podcast a weekly disclaimer we don't hate authors and we don't hate books we actually love both of them but we will be making fun of problematic tropes characters and just some goddamn ridiculous plot layering <laughs> So, um, in order to support the authors, we buy a hard copy of our books every week. Yeah, so welcome back to my favorite series. <laughs> Since these episodes are not spoiler-free, we wanted to give you an updated book list. So, on the 1st of October, we have Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. And on the 15th of October, we have The Crown by Kira Cass. Yes. I feel like it's been a while since we've read one of those. It's been too long. Caitlin, what are you drinking? I'm drinking vitamin water. What are you drinking? Wow, I'm so proud of you. That's so healthy and progressive. I've been binge drinking the past, like, three nights, so don't give me too much credit. <laughs> also, I was drunk earlier today, so... <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Day drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you were at a wedding, to be fair. There was an occasion. Yes. An yes. occasion. I am actually drinking some Riesling. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. White wine. Yeah, Riesling. Um, yep. I have stopped drinking it because I started drinking like an hour ago to get through some homework and I realized I was getting too drunk to podcast. So we're drinking water now. <laughs> oh, but we love drunk Savannah when we record. Might make an appearance as we go throughout. We will see. Love um, that for us. Before we start our regularly scheduled episode, <laughs> um, we did receive some lovely fan mail that we would like to read. So, um, this is a shout out to Kayleen. We're not going to read the whole thing because there were some book recs that we're going to save. Kayleen says, hello, my name is Kayleen, and honestly, I've fallen in love with the podcast. You two have amazing banter and a chemistry that makes the podcast enjoyable and easy to listen to. Thank you. I kind of binged all the currently available episodes in four days. It would have been three had it not been for work. Please keep up the great work. Your podcast is the first I've discovered of its kind, and I'd love to keep listening to it for a long time. That probably deserves a medal, like putting up with our voices <laughs> for four days straight. <laughs> I can barely tolerate um, our voices for the two hours, two to three hours that we record. So <laughs> hate hearing myself with it. <laughs> Editing is a special kind of torture. Uh, for real, um, though. Kayleen also had a question. Uh, she said, what do you do with the physical copies that you buy for the show? Do you keep some of them, donate them, re-gift them to younger readers you know? Question mark. Uh, very good question. We actually haven't done anything with them yet. We are holding on to them. Um, they might feature on our Patreon when we get that up and running someday. To We've potentially of do like a giveaway or something yes. like that with it, yeah. All of those are great ideas, and they will probably feature on a Twitter poll when we get closer to opening our Patreon. But in the meantime, they just sit and stare and judge us from our shelves. Also, we 
don't really want to like donate them. I mean, I guess we could, but if we did, we have all of our notes in them and all of them yes. are very negative. Uh, <laughs> and for, I don't know about you, but mine are like explicit. And like the last thing I want is for like a young reader to pick it up and be like, oh, wow. <laughs> Also, this is a sequel episode, so if you have not listened to the other four ep- four or five episodes four. on the Shatter Me series, it's hard to go track. back and do so. Summary for this week. I'm adrift, suspended in a pool of senselessness, currents pushing me to the surface of something, an emotional revelation that trembles in... Uh, into existence only to evaporate seconds later as if it might be terrified to exist. This goes on and on and on and on and on. Light years. Eons. Over and over. Whispers of clarity. Gasps of oxygen. (laughs) And I'm tossed back out to sea. Um... Juliet Ferrars isn't who she thinks she is. Nothing in her world is what it seemed. She thought she'd finally defeated the reestablishment. She thought she'd finally taken control of her life, her power, and her pain. But Juliet has only just begun to unravel a lifetime <laughs> four of books. lies. After four books, she's just begun. <laughs> and she finds herself <laughs> faced with a familiar choice. Be a weapon or be a warrior. This time, she's not alone. Stronger, braver, and more resilient than ever. Juliet will fight for life and love and with her friends by her side, but first, she has to survive the war being waged against her mind. She has to remember who she was. I hated this book. I loved everything I about this book. I actually cannot tell you how much I despise this book. Let these characters go to Haramafi. Like, you should have just stopped with the first three books just call it a day but she can't stop and she won't stop and neither will we god i just the only thing the only thing that i wish that i desire deeply in my heart is that tahara mafi would continue writing the way she always has where were the fun quotes like I know y'all are always usually looking forward to some sort of rapid fire quote session at the end. We didn't even have one. Like, we'll just be sprinkling those in throughout the plot because there were not enough to justify a separate section. And that makes me deeply sad. I think that was what made it fun for me is that was the comedic relief was having these ridiculous quotes and we've completely lost them. We have, but we have gained. We have gained so much shit in the plot that I am still excited. So, okay, I'm not going to give a full recap, but for anyone who's just like, fuck it, I'm starting with this episode. It looks super fun. Defy me. That's my vibe. I'm just going to let you know, we left off with Juliet apparently killing 300 people in an auditorium. No, no, no. 600. Oh, God. I was really underestimating her, 600 people in an auditorium. She thinks she's killed all these people with her mind because she has every power you could ever think of, except being invisible. That's Kinji's power. He's very protective of it. And she has just been kidnapped by someone. We don't know where she is at right now. Everything has descended into chaos. For some reason, (laughs) we're, we're switching perspectives by this point, and her best friend Kenji is very confused. This is how the book starts. I'm going to read you this. She's screaming. 
she's just screaming words, I think. They're just words, because somehow that makes a difference. Uh, but she's screaming, screaming at the top of her lungs with an agony that seems almost an exaggeration, and it's causing devastation I never knew possible. And then he says, I knew Juliet was strong, and I knew we hadn't discovered the depths of her powers, but I never imagined she'd be capable of this. Really, Kenji? You never, you never imagined? Remember way back in the first book when she literally cracked the earth fucking open and killed a bunch of people in the training center? Does anybody? And he's like, oh my god, she's, she's hurt all these people. I never imagined she could do this. Why? It was just a very weird beginning. But luckily, by page two, I'm thinking, you know what? We've finally done it. We've killed off all the disposable side characters by page... Like, that's got to be some sort of record. I know we're on book five, but usually we're at least halfway through the book before we kill all the disposable side characters, so I was all ready to give her a medal, you know? I just, as I'm reading this, Kenji says, like, he's, like, looking at all of the dead bodies and the blood that is covering the floor, etc., etc., and he says, it seems staged, like a bad joke, it had a, a, like, a bad theater production, but when I see the blood, thick and heavy, seeping through clothes and upholstery, dripping down frozen hands, I know we'll never recover from this. Juliet just murdered 600 people at once. There's no recovering from this. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty fucking short-lived <laughs> political career she had there. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely fucking right. There is no coming back from that. Puts a bit of a damper on things. <laughs> this is taking a step away from the plot, but I'm going to play you. I'm going to play you the sound clip. Then... I will go ahead and post it to our Instagram and our Twitter before the episode comes out. But did you ever... I'm guessing you never watched The Legend of Zelda cartoons. No. So every time Kenji calls her princess or he'll be like, well, excuse me, I think of this sound bit. My sister and I were obsessed with The Legend of Zelda cartoons, mostly because they were very ridiculous, but we were we were invested, I won't lie. But the catchphrase of the show was this... I'm just gonna play it. Excuse me, princess. Hey, excuse me, princess. Well, excuse and it just, me. It just gets longer and more emphasized as the show goes on. And so every time, every time Kenji says, like, okay, princess, or excuse me, princess, I just had Link in my head, and I will post the link for everyone. <laughs> See what I did there? Yes. But going back to the plot, <laughs> books. Literally two pages later, everybody who has been I hated this. I hated this. Everyone who has been slashed and killed and is bleeding profusely from their bodies, they begin to stand, confused. And as soon as they start shuffling around, someone shoves, they literally fucking just get off the floor. Like, this was the hardest pivot Tahara Moffy, you got us this time. She got us, folks. Like, this is worse than getting to the end of an entire book and the author being like, and then Juliet woke in her cell and it was all a dream. We have built the entire series up to the end of this fourth book where she murders 600 people. That is confirmed in the first few pages. And then all of a sudden they're like, <laughs> you thought... At least if she had murdered 600 people, it would have at least been interesting. They're <laughs> like, no, they're fine. So then jumping into Warner's perspective, and the first couple of times that Warner and Juliet have, like, their little chapters, they're starting out with memories. 
So you start to realize in these first couple of memories that Juliet and Warner knew each other previously. (laughs) And I was just like, we cannot handle any more layers to this goddamn relationship. Like, we just can't. Uh, My heart can't take it. My mind can't take it. And I just said, OMG, delicious memory loss. (laughs) I, I skimmed all the flashbacks, but I had good positive feelings towards them. A few pages later, they keep bringing up all of these disposable side characters as if we know who they are and as if they've had any character development. Like, <laughs> page 11, the minute we hit the open air, the group of us, myself, Castle, Winston, injured Brendan, Ian, and Julia. <laughs> who is injured Brendan? <laughs> and also, they're like, we've all been ambushed. I'm like, can it really be called ambushed if it's not a surprise? And like the majority of you knew it was coming and just didn't share that information. (laughs) Luckily, we do get characterization for Castle. Caitlin, would you like to sum up Castle's character arc for the past four books? I know he's your favorite. (laughs) We went from man who is leading the revolution to Man in a catatonic state that is somehow revived by a 16-year-old girl filling his place as the head of the revolution. To the cryptic, old, wise man. To, in this book, being the man with secrets? Question mark? And he really can't... He just... He's number one, the world's worst leader. Like, I would argue even worse than Juliet. Oh, he is. Because he's an adult and he should know better. <laughs> and he and he backed Juliet. He, like, supported her originally and then rescinded his his vote of confidence later on. But anyways. He, he changes just, his mind a lot. Yeah, which is fine. he does. He's never the but, same character book to book. Right. Like, rebel to mentor to creepy mage. This book... I mean, last book, he was all, like, popping out of the shadows every five seconds, like, oh, this secret prophecy has come to pass. And then this book, we turn around, and Kenji's like, all these people are dead. Wait, all these people aren't dead. We're escaping. Brendan's injured. And he looks to Castle. (laughs) Castle has sunk down in his chair. He's staring up at the ceiling at nothing. He looks dazed. (laughs) Typical Castle. Fuck you. (laughs) Anytime something traumatic happens, Castle just, like, shuts down and just, like, he's out. Right. Which, okay, fine, but why are you the rebel leader? I have questions. And no answers. Now, since we have a lack of responsible adults, the ten-year-old steps in with his child wisdom. (laughs) So, Castle is sitting there in his catatonic state, and James, Adam's younger brother comes out and he's like you know what i think i think that they've been lying to us all along i think that the reestablishment has been lying to us they're talking about why the reestablishment would have staged this murder of 600 people and james is popping off and saying i i was thinking maybe this was just i don't know a distraction (laughs) and castle raises himself from his stupor and he's like they hide a great deal from us and from each other james you are wise indeed i'm like was that was it a secret did we think that they were upstanding government like 
hearkening back to the the previous book, Kenji and Nazira, the daughter of some other rich person in some other rich place. He's another commander, another supreme commander. Yes. So the daughter of another supreme commander. She's just described as very hot and very capable, which is very sexy of her. But she and Kenji have kind of had a little thing going on where he's super into her and she's super not into him. Or so we thought. So, Or so we thought. There's so many twists in this book. Um, but they step aside to have a conversation. And this was my one and only quote for Rapid Fire. Nazira's eyes flash with feeling as she speaks, and her words puncture the life vest around my heart. Emotion grounds me again. (laughs) It's very violent. None of these children like having feelings. (laughs) That's amazing. I can't believe I didn't mark that one. (laughs) (laughs) And as she is kind of chewing Kenji out for not thinking that she would be upset as well that Juliet is missing, she's like, I grew up with this girl. She has memory loss and can't remember, and none of you knew that, but I grew up with her. (laughs) And uh, is it really so crazy to think I might care about the girls I once loved as my own sisters, or about the lies my parents forced me to swallow, or the innocent people I watched them murder? And Kenji, (laughs) my man, he starts feeling overwhelmed and he's like i don't want to care about nazira i don't want to care about her pain or feel connected to her or anything just keep a level head kenji be cool i force myself to think about a joke james told me the other day a stupid pun something to do with muffins i focus on the memory the way james laughed at his own lameness i smile and glance at james so (laughs) just picture this in your head nazira's like my parents lied to me my friend is kidnapped (laughs) i've almost been murdered and the boy she's speaking with sits there still faced and then slowly starts smiling (laughs) it is like thinking of a muffin expression on his face and then he goes now i'm really smiling wondering if it's weird that i love bad jokes even more than good ones And he just goes off on this rant about muffins and jokes and Nazira is like trying to have this heart to heart. And I was crying. (laughs) I was legitimately crying. Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, we go back to having a town hall meeting about what the fuck is going on and why we fake murdered 600 people. (laughs) What could it mean? You know, like, you know, I I don't understand. Why would they do such a thing? I feel like I'm in an English class and the teacher's like, what does the red curtain mean? Uh, Spoiler alert, it's nothing deep. Um, But the (laughs) Nazira starts to explain why she thinks that the reestablishment might have done this. She says, I think the whole thing was staged to make Ella appear volatile and unhinged. The scene at the symposium will no doubt undermine her position here at Sector 45 by instilling fear in the soldiers who pledged their allegiance to her. She will be described as unstable, irrational, weak, and then easily captured. Okay, let's just break, <laughs> let's just break that thought down for a minute. You can't instill fear into people by having 600 people murdered if the 600 people were never actually murdered are, and are, in fact, alive and well. 
I don't under. What are these six hundred people going to do? Like go underground, go into hiding? They're never to be seen again. And like, listen, you're in the witness protection program now. <laughs> AKA, we're going to kill you. Fake all. murdered by you were fake murdered by Juliet Ferrars slash Ella Somers, and Kenji's going to make you invisible for the rest of your life. Don't worry. Also, like. I think this whole thing was staged to make Ella appear volatile and unhinged. Like, honey, we don't need to stage shit to do that. Like, everyone knows. It's common knowledge. Right. Speaking of unhinged. Right. (laughs) I just... This book tries to develop this romance between Kenji and Nazira. And the muffin scene was probably my favorite. But this is my second favorite scene between the two of them. After the town meeting, they're all kind of wandering around. They don't really know what they're doing. They don't have a game plan yet. And Nazira shows up to speak with Kenji. So Kenji's having a meltdown in the training room. He's had a rough life. And Nazira Nazira is trying to comfort him like you would a person who is completely having a meltdown. Kenji mentions that she keeps, like, putting her hand on his arm. And he freaks the fuck out he's like angrily i spin around i'm breathing hard my chest rising and falling fast stop messing with me you don't know me you don't know anything about me (laughs) you say you want to be my friend but you talk to me like i'm an idiot you touch me constantly like i'm a child questions about that like you're trying to comfort me like you have no idea that i'm a grown-ass man who might feel something when you put your hands on me like that (laughs) I'm chuckling at this point. Heaven forbid we feel something. Heaven forbid any of us in this book feel things. <laughs> and then... Right. And then she's continuing to try and calm him down. Like, hey, I don't think you're a child. I don't think you're stupid. Just trying to make sure you're okay, man. The whole time Kenji has been thinking his feelings are unrequited. And then she smiles and she's like, oh, so you're not going to make a move. I thought you liked me. I thought that's what this whole thing was about. Kenji fucking grabs her hand, opens his bedroom door, and locks them both inside. I guess that's a move. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm getting serial killer vibes, but that's fine. And then three pages <laughs> later, he's like, so you don't want to be my girlfriend? And she's like, no, I just wanted to, I wanted to make out a bit, but like, I can't be your girlfriend. And he's like, okay, well then this is what not being my girlfriend looks like and shuts her out. They're literally defining their relationship at the first kiss and I have hives and that's all. (laughs) So Juliet starts to wake up from her stupor after being kidnapped and she's with her biological parents who are in Australia and who, you know, just as a little refresher, sold her to the reestablishment to be a weapon of some sort. We do not know what the context of that is. But we'll find out. Um, so interaction she has with them is her mom out of nowhere, like, slaps her face. Don't we have enough family trauma as it is? Like, do we really need to throw evil biological parents on top of the evil adoptive parents? Like, right. it just, like, it's a bit much. You know something's off with them because of the way everyone's been talking, but then when she's panicking, waking up, doesn't know where she is, and her par- or her mom starts slapping her around, you're like, oh, so they're, like, unhinged, unhinged. <laughs> Got it. 
Juliet's like at the end of this interaction Juliet is like screaming she's like where is Kenji where is Warner because she has no idea what's happened to her friends her mom this is her mom talking darling she says but she isn't looking at me she's looking at my father will you handle this please I have a terrible headache and and a severe urgent phone calls to return he says of course my love and then he pulls a syringe from his pocket and stabs it swiftly into my neck and i was just like what i am so fucking over this soap opera why are we drugging juliet why are they speaking this way about their child like like darling please take care of this problem that we're pretending is not in the room even though we just kidnapped our daughter and this accent is horrible and i don't even think it really is an accent but anyways the soap opera and the soap opera continues to get worse in case anyone is wondering meanwhile we have kenji's perspective again so we find out the castle gets a message from someone named noria and kenji goes on like this thought monologue telling us who noria is where we basically find out that she is Castle's daughter, um, who witnessed his two sons get murdered, and then she she had watched it happen. Castle said he felt like he lost three children that day. Noria never recovered. Instead, she grew detached, listless. She stopped coming home at normal hours, and then one day she disappeared. The reestablishment was always picking kids up off the streets and shipping them to wherever they felt was a need to fill. Noria was collected against her will, picked up and packaged for another sector. Castle knew for certain that this is what happened because the reestablishment sent him a receipt <laughs> for his child. A fucking receipt. <laughs> did we know this? Why? What? When did... Why is this... This is the fourth book and Castle is a main character. Why did we know none of this? And also, What? Yeah, but you know what? Great news. His daughter that was sold uh, in the reestablishment is alive and well. So, you know, that's apparently an interesting thing (laughs) that we need to know. That is a thing you will need to know. Now, peppered throughout this book, like a fun, fun spices in a cake, which is a thing you would put spices in. That was a bad metaphor. Ignore all of that. Uh, We have Warner and Juliet's flashbacks, so don't get confused. Warner's mid-book, well, let's see, Warner's quarter-book flashback is talking about how attractive he is. And the first time he sees Juliet, she's attracted to him, and he says, "Uh, I learned long ago that lots of people find me attractive. Men, women, especially older women, a phenomenon I still don't understand. Just, like, throw some casual pedophilia in there. Why not? Moving straight along. <laughs> Juliet's backstory at this point has become so convoluted. Nobody knows yep. where she came from, what age she is when it happened. Like, this is not a me not understanding child ages. We have tried to work out the timeline in earlier <laughs> episodes, and it does not, does not compute. Uh, so, is trying to tie this all up and run through... Juliet's backstory. Um, Mind you, at this point, we're calling her both Juliet and Ella, which was apparently her previous name before her memory was wiped. Try to stay with us. Ella (laughs) uh, was sold to the reestablishment to do whatever they want with her. I'm assuming her parents got a receipt, too. 
And she <laughs> ended up with abusive parents because they were trying to, quote unquote, make or encourage her powers to manifest. I'm sorry. Isn't her whole backstory that she couldn't turn the powers off and her parents were scared of her and she was so isolated because nobody could touch her skin and she had never known the loving embrace of another human? Like, what do you mean you were trying to encourage her powers to manifest? She couldn't stop them. This feels like a transition type book where she's trying to really make ends meet with all of the other issues that she's brought up in previous books so that we can basically have a strong finale is like the impression I'm getting with this. But in the meantime, that's where we get weird characters like Castle and Delalu, who basically serve as these oracle, all-knowing characters that just pop in in a time of need of, like, for knowledge. So you have Delalu who's randomly going on this rant about all of this shit in regards to Warner and Juliet's life. Because remember, Delalu is Warner's grandfather, and in the meantime, we find out that Warner and Juliet have actually met several times over the course of their life. And every single time that they had been introduced to each other, no matter how hard Anderson tried, they always ended up back together. I hate that. I hate that so deeply. It's implying essentially that these two are like made for each other. They're soulmates. <laughs> I'm bored of it. We then find out that basically Anderson had been orchestrating Warner, Juliet, and Adam's lives so that it better fit with his grand plans for the reestablishment, which we still do not understand or know. Delalu was basically like, yes, all of this was part of Anderson's plan. And then fucking Anderson, whom we thought was dead, <laughs> Pops the fuck out of nowhere and shoots Delalu. <laughs> and Delalu fucking dies. And you're like, all right, well, cool. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with that information. I was, I was so upset when he showed up. Because you'll recall, we left him on a boat dead at the end of yep. the last book. Like, that was the climax. Uh, no, two, two books ago. ago. That was yeah. the climax of the trilogy. Juliet killed him. He was dead. He was very dead. Let me emphasize that to you. Now, all of a sudden, he just pops up in the compound to shoot people? I'm sorry. This is like, 600 people were dead? Psych! <laughs> They're alive! Anderson was dead? Psych! He's alive! Like, nobody dies in these books. Except for... Never mind. I can't except actually think Delilu of anyone right that now, actually died. Oh, yeah, except for <laughs> Delalu. Unless he magically comes back in the next book. It could ha I'm not putting it past her at this point, honestly. Right. So, Delalu's dead, and that just leads us straight into a series of pages that I have entitled, What the Fuck, Though? <laughs> the clip from the back that Caitlin read earlier, uh, where it goes on and on and on and on for light years, eons over and over, that's in here. The thing that's going on and on over and over again forever is Juliet's mom torturing her so this is about to get a bit graphic <laughs> warning there's so much gratuitous violence that you yeah. just feel dead inside reading it like she wakes up she's strapped to a table her mom rips out a knife the blade is so sharp it meets no resistance as as she slices clean lines into my forearms and blood blood heavy and warm spills down my wrists 
what? And then they start electrocuting her. The electrocution goes on for a while. She's on fluid so she doesn't die. They keep sedating her. Uh, they keep sticking glass and metal inside of her to see if she can heal. It ends with her saying, like, I'm still no more than a receptacle. My body exchanges hands, exchanges hands in exchange for what? My mother has no love for me. It starts getting, like, almost incomprehensible as she is being sliced apart by scissors and... Oh, she also gets burned alive. Um, uh-huh. So that's, like, cool, too. Yep. She gets burned um, alive. I'm pretty sure they drown her at one point. Like, water I think border. so, too. Mm-hmm. Mom shows up at the very end to explain, to have her little villain speech, and she's like, you're right. Maybe this is cruel. Maybe it would have been kinder to simply let you die. But this isn't about you, Ella. This is about me. And right now, she says, stroking my hair, this is what I need. She's just evil for the sake of being evil, and it's very graphic. Very graphic for a YA novel. Yep. And she continues to, she goes on, like, this long rant about basically the purpose of all of this, and essentially what we find out is Ella's parents took her and Emmeline, her older sister, and essentially completely changed them genetically so that they would have these cool, fancy powers for a reason that is still to be determined, and she's she basically says, I remade you, Ella. You and your sister were the greatest accomplishments of my career. Your failures, she whispers, touching the tips of her fingers to my face, are my failures. We have death, destruction, torture, family abuse, family trauma, multiple parents, secret Everyone's babies. Everyone's dying and no coming back babies. to life. <laughs> no secret babies yet. It's no secret babies. <laughs> there might be some in the no- I bet those are in the novellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 um, Well, and I'm just hoping for any, any strand to grasp onto at this point, because we've ended the scene with Juliet and her mother. We're switching back over to Kenji. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their lives. Nobody knows. Delalu's dead. Anderson's alive. When everyone's trying to figure out what to do with Anderson, he turns to his secret accomplice who's been giving him information this whole time, and it is, dun-dun-dun, Nazira. Listen, if Nazira's actually evil, I will be very impressed, because that would give somebody some depth. Like, I didn't see that coming, but they should have seen that coming. Like, honestly, they, last book they were going on and on about how she was a secret agent and they're all surprised when she shows up working with Anderson this book. I don't know. I'm, at this point, I'm guessing that she's not actually evil, but I would be impressed if she was. You will recall (laughs) Warner and his murder and war crimes from the past four books. Nevertheless, Juliet still has quotes like, Aaron Warner Anderson is the only emotional through line in my life that has ever made sense. I'm going to stop you right there, Ella. (laughs) But emotional and sense do not belong in a sentence with Aaron. That's all. That's my point. 
then we hop back to Kenji. There's a lot of, the chapters are very brief. Sometimes it's only three pages before you hop back and forth to another person. And we're switching back and forth between five different perspectives. And I feel like that would be okay if the characters were established. But in this book, it's just very confusing. Uh, (laughs) Well, and also this is, the switching perspectives is a new thing. We didn't start the series with switching perspectives, which I would argue would have made things more interesting. Agreed. Anyways. Right. It's a weird thing to add in in a third and fourth book. So Kenji wakes up on a plane. Nizir is with him. She's like, listen, man, I'm trying to save your life, but keep it on the down low because Anderson doesn't know I'm a double agent. Kind of disappointed that she's not evil. A little bit sad about that, but I don't know. Guess it's fine. Then we move straight back to Ella. On on the next episode of Days of Our Lives, um... (laughs) Ella has a voice in her head that is speaking to her and saying things like dying and help. And Ella comes to this realization where she is like, Emmeline, my estranged older sister, is that you? And at that moment, when I realized that we have a fucking... Well, I'm sorry, at this point, I'm thinking that somehow her parents have, like, put... Emmeline's spirit or soul, like, <laughs> inside of Ella, and we are gonna have, like, this weird, like, dual personality thing going on, which honestly would have been a lot more interesting than what actually happens. I remember you telling me I, that when you got to that point. You were like, remember when <laughs> Emmeline was inside Ella? And I was like, the what? <laughs> the when? This is when I set the book down and was like, yeah, I I just can't anymore. I just can't. Oh, but if you hadn't kept going, we'll we'll solve that mystery, that mystery later. But if you hadn't kept reading, you wouldn't get to the fun part where Warner is imprisoned. He wakes up. He's being poisoned through food. He's like, nah, not a big deal. I escaped from like 15 high security prisons when I was 10. We don't question that. We don't try and unpack. We don't try and work through that. Uh, But Anderson goes to visit Warner after he's gone and shot Warner's grandfather. There's a lot of parenticide going on. Anderson makes a stop on his murder tour to see his son in prison. And you would think, with the history we've had with this series, I mean... Juliet has shot Anderson in the leg. He recovered from that. Juliet has, I don't even remember how she killed him in the other one. Like, (laughs) something where he ended up at the bottom of the ocean. They thought he was dead. He came back from that. Now, he's trying to talk down to Warner. He's like, haha, you're in prison. My son, let's work together for the greater good. I was really mean to Juliet. (laughs) is basically their conversation. And Warner, um, what does he use? He pulls out, like, a shiv, slits his father's throat. He chokes. His eyes are bulging. There's blood everywhere. He falls to his knees. His hands are grasping at the air. His veins are jumping under his skin. And Warner steps towards him. He pats him down, pockets the guns, and is like, enjoy hell, and then walks away. Maybe make sure he's dead first? I don't know. This man has come back from a major injury and death. That's two times in a row in the past four books. And Warner's just like, there he is, bleeding out on the floor of his own prison. Probably he'll be dead. I'ma leave now. Like, just just shoot him or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And 
Also, like, when I read that, I was like, this seemed too easy. Like, it, when he killed his father, I was like, this just seemed like there was no purpose of bringing him back other than to have it be Warner be the one to kill him. So, right. like, at this point in time, I was like, well, this seemed kind of pointless to bring him back. But it's like, murder for um, you, murder for you. Everyone gets to kill Anderson. It was weird. We then, once Juliet realizes that it is Emmeline that's speaking to her in her mind, which unfortunately it is not that Emmeline is inside of her body, which I would have preferred. <laughs> but we realize that Emmeline is like telepathically speaking to her. So she's directing uh, Ella how to get to her body. We find her body, but it is a little less than ideal, to say the least. The description that we get <laughs> of how Emmeline looks is, um, she no longer has a face, not really. Her mouth has been permanently <laughs> sealed around a regulator, skin spiderwebbed over silicone. Her hair is a couple feet long, dark and wild, floating around her head like wispy tentacles. Her nose has melted backward into her skull, and her eyes are permanently closed. Long, dark lashes, the only indication they ever used to open. Her hands and feet are webbed. She has no finger well, <laughs> fingernails. Her arms and legs are mostly bone and sagging, wrinkled skin. So, like, needless to say, Emmeline is not doing great. Um, <laughs> I am firmly in the uncanny valley right now. Like, I did not know this was a horror series. Surprise to her. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. So, Emmeline then starts to, um, I guess, like, show Ella her side of the story. Because the only thing that she can really do is hear. I think that's the only sense that she still has. Um, but even that is, like, starting to escape her. So she starts to show Ella all of her memories, and Ella sees her as spirited, furious, difficult to control. Her mind was stronger than she could handle, and she didn't know how to feel about her powers. She felt cursed, strangled by them, but unlike me, she was kept at home, here, in this exact laborato laboratory, forced to undergo test after test administered by her own parents. I feel her rage pierce through me. For the first time, I realize I had the luxury of forgetting. She didn't. Max and Evie, which are their parents, and even Anderson, tried to wipe Emmeline's memory multiple times, but each time, Emmeline's body prevailed. Her mind was so strong that she was able to convince her brain to reverse the chemistry meant to dissolve her memories. No wonder, or no matter what Max and Evie tried, Emmeline could never forget them. Instead, she watched as her own parents turned on her, turned her inside out. What the fuck is happening? Um, that's not all. Uh, Ella says, I finally understand. Emmeline is using her last gasp of strength to contact me. And not just me. All of the other children of the Supreme Commanders. All she shows me inside my own mind how she's taken advantage of Max and Evie's latest efforts to expand her capabilities. We don't ever get an explanation for that. She's never been able to reach out to people individually before, but Max and Evie got greedy. In Emmeline, they had laid the foundation for their own demise. Emmeline thinks we are the last hope for the world. She wants us to stand up, fight, and save humanity. She's been slowly returning our minds to us, giving us back what our parents once stole. She wants us to see the truth. So, like, basically, Emmeline has become this really unhinged, weird, webbed, 
inside out sea creature mermaid who is telepathically connecting with all of these supreme commander children whose memories have all been wiped scary mermaid (laughs) to help them remember how evil their parents are for an undetermined reason or purpose um hinged mermaid (laughs) so that is where we are at apparently Besides her limited sense of hearing, Emmeline can also reach through solid objects, which no one ever explains, but somehow she randomly takes off Juliet slash Ella's shackles, frees her, and she's able to get a weapon so that when her mom comes in, her mom drops the gun and Ella literally rips her mom's heart out of her chest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is unfortunate. which i like how all of a sudden now we are adding reaching through solid objects to their powers you know because yeah but have enough powers before it doesn't seem that far-fetched when you consider the fact that juliet tried to punch a hole into the earth you know or or punched all the way through a solid concrete wall so I will, I will give Tahara Mafi that. It do be like that sometimes. <laughs> Remember, we last left Anderson bleeding out on the floor of Warner's cell, and I said, Warner, Warner, no, go back and check. Make sure your dad is dead. He's not. Surprise! Guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> again, again, again. Uh, Warner, or Warner's dad pops up. He's like... I had some broken ribs, but I'm healed. I'm better now. I have secret healing agents in my blood. Now, this is the part where I have an entire post-it note on this page. Warner is like, how the fuck are you still alive? And Anderson is like, part of the reason I wanted custody of those healer twins was because I wanted Evie to study them. I wanted her to replicate their DNA and braid it into my own. Healing powers, I realized, were extremely useful, but I didn't have them under my control for as long as I wanted. I was only able to extract a few blood samples. I'm sorry. So, your superpowers are stored in your blood, and a blood transfusion can give you the same powers. I'm sorry. Like, I I get that it's temporary, but if that's the... Pro- like, why are we doing all the science things with Juliet? This was a step over the line for me. <laughs> I feel like in trying to clear things up about what the hell or what the fuck has been happening this entire series... <laughs> hell nay fuck... <laughs> It's everything has just gotten so insanely convoluted that you really have to like tilt your head and squint and like just like hope that somehow it's going to eventually make sense because none of it ever adds up. So Juliet murders her biological mother and she is like, oh my god, I have to run and escape now. So she starts running around and she runs into Kenji. (laughs) miraculously and kenji is there to save her because because remember back to when we found out that naziria is actually not evil they were on their way to australia so he shows up and they basically go invisible 
and just easily walk out the door and into the plane that him and Azira have. In fact, Juliet even notes, this was almost too simple. And I was like, yeah, it's almost like Tahira Mafi doesn't know how to write any sort of combative scene at all whatsoever. So she just avoids it at all costs. Right. Everyone dies and then they come back to life later is what happens every time there's a fight. Right. They get onto the plane. They're waiting to... Warner is also in Oceania. Oceania? Whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nazira is going to save him. So in the meantime, Juliet and Kenji are sitting there having a conversation. Juliet is like, all of this is my fault. If only I had done some more research on the reestablishment and become a more prepared leader before deciding to take (laughs) over the world... Maybe none of this would have happened. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, you know, that really would have been a good call. (laughs) And then we have to to segue into the emotional bit of the conversation where Kenji says, he keeps calling her Jay throughout this conversation. And she's like, you know, my name is Ella, right? And he's like, right. Yeah, Ella, that's wild. She's like, I like it. I like it better than Juliet. And he's like, I don't know. I think both names are nice. And she's like, yeah, but Juliet was the name Anderson picked out for me. Kenji says, oh, and Ella is the name you were born with. I get it. I was just like, cool. So Juliet's the name Anderson, Warner's psychopathic dad picked out for you. And Ella is the name that your parents, that you just murdered, your psychopathic caretakers (laughs) picked out for you you're right i had the same reaction i had the same reaction i was like yeah neither one of those are good good calls using that logic just give her a third name at this Uh, point like it can't get more confusing for real (laughs) warner and juliet are reunited all is forgiven because remember the last time we saw them together juliet had broken up with him she then got shit-faced and shaved her head (laughs) i just remembered that so you know whatever but all is forgiven and warner has decided that he would like to spend the rest of his life with juliet (laughs) and he wants to marry her and propose and when i read that line i was like this is not really the time to get fucking married like there is too much happening in your lives to get married right now. But, you know, whatever. I guess we'll just leave that there for a minute. And then Warner is having a conversation with Juliet where he is alluding to the fact that he is wanting to get engaged. Juliet is not picking up on this fact, but Kenji overhears their conversation and steps in and is like, I don't think you're thinking that I don't think you're thinking clearly. And Warner is like, nope, nope, I think I'm, think I'm just fine. And Kenji's like, no, this is, this is a bad idea. Like, you're going to do this here and now. And Juliet is like, what are you talking about? I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> Warner's literally done everything but kneel down on one knee at this point. She is deliberately being obtuse. And Juliet's like, I don't get it. <laughs> and then because Kenji has been stepping in and apparently he and Juliet have been having some intense conversations because they're friends. Probably the only believable relationship in the entire book is their friendship because they've had multiple conversations about multiple topics and it was like built realistically. Nazira pulls Juliet aside and she's like, I had no idea you two were so intense. I look up surprised. 
Who? Me and Aaron? No, she says, smiling. You and Kenji. Oh, I frown. I don't think we're intense. And she shoots her this look, and Juliet's like, no, I'm serious. I think we have a pretty normal friendship. And the thing is, they do. Like, there's no flirting between the two of them. He's protective over her, but never in a romantic way. Like, why are we making a big deal? And they make a deal out of it for the rest of the book where they're like, oh, you two are super intense. You have a really weird friendship going on. I'm like, let friends be friends. 2K20. Not everything is a love triangle. Not everything is romantic. Well, and the, the end. Whole, the, it all starts because it all starts because she um says to both Kenji and Warner that she loves both of them and right. Warner gets like offended that she would say that she loves Kenji and she's just like no like he's my best friend I love him right I, I, like, I do I'm sorry. I love him do you not tell your friends that you love them because if you don't that is very sad <laughs> so they're on this plane things are going fine or so we thought until we realize that their plane is being shot out of the sky so what do what what do we think to do? Well, remember, Nazira has the capability to fly, and Warner has the ability to take on another person's ability. So their grand idea is, okay, great. Nazira and Warner will just hold on to Kenji and Juliet, and they will fly out of this <laughs> out of this descending plane. So somehow they make it okay into this field and they look up and they are looking at the face of none other than fucking Castle and his daughter, Noria. Noria? Noria. Noria. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we decided. Yep, Noria. that's what we decided. Yep. So Castle and Noria are looking down on them and Castle is basically like, you know, I really hope you can forgive us for shooting you out of the sky. It was the only way it was the only way to get you down here here where we need to be because apparently noria has some sort of concealed base that they can stay at immediately after that kenji is like oh, castle and then gives him a hug and i was like i feel as though we should ruminate a little bit longer on the fact that he shot you out of the sky <laughs> Good thing Nazira can fly, right? <laughs> right, friends. <laughs> Noria also admits to being the one to shoot Juliet in the last book. <laughs> and almost kill her. <laughs> and almost killed her, which we never had a resolution to that. So I was no. hoping that at some point we would go back to it. They just kind of leave that there. Like, all of them are asking the for answers, like, what the hell are you talking about? Warner is like, how, like, Castle, how can you expect us to stay at a place where someone literally ordered a hit to be ordered against Juliet? Like, what, what are we supposed to be doing with this information? And Castle is like, you know what? I feel like this is a conversation that is better suited for when we are all settled in. And everyone is like, yeah, you know what? That sounds great. And then they just drop it. For the rest of the book, there is no resolution to that. That nope. that is all we that is nope. all we know. Nope. And I just want everyone to know at this point. I mean, we started thinking everyone had been murdered. We've gone through everybody's torture, capture, characters showing up that we thought were dead, characters dying that used to be alive. We've had a secret sister introduced. We've had a secret family member introduced. We've had a bunch of flashbacks, like so 
much has happened. This book never stops to let you breathe. And at this point, this point, they've been shot down in an airplane. And they're with Noria, Castle's daughter. And I'm like, we still have 50 pages left. What the fuck is happening in this book? Like, I can't take another event. The book needed to end a hundred pages ago. Instead, instead, we get this bombshell. Which, can I just preface it by saying, I've read it a few times, and I still don't think I actually understand what's going on here, but you may preface it, and I... I have recently watched The Matrix, so I will explain it. Oh, that's good. Um, explain it to me, please. Juliet slash Ella. Are we going to call her Juliet or Ella for the rest of this series? I I don't know. I think she's going to start going by Ella. She's that's going the by impression Ella I'm getting okay, is that great. her persona is switching to Ella. Great. Ella is like, guess what, everyone Emmeline explained the purpose of life to me. <laughs> Just kidding. But she explained <laughs> where the reestablishment came from and the purpose of this genetic modification. Just gave her all of the answers. And she's been holding this inside of herself for over a day now. <laughs> Which is a bit strange if you think about it. But she's been having sexy times with Warner. So, you know, priorities. Uh, and she says, listen... Emmeline has the power to bend the minds of the people. She can warp and distort realities here, everywhere. Kenji's face is a perfect encapsulation of horror, and his expression is reflected on dozens of other faces around me. Nazira, on the other hand, looks stricken. And here we go. The explanation for the entire series. What you see here, I say, around us, the decay of society, the broken atmosphere, the birds gone from the sky... I forgot this was the bird fetish series. <laughs> the bird's gone from the sky. It's an illusion. It's true that our climate has changed. Yes, we've done serious damage to the atmosphere, to the animals, to the planet as a whole. But that damage is not irreparable. Scientists were hopeful that, with a careful, concerted effort, we could fix our Earth, save the future. But the reestablishment didn't like that angle. They didn't want people to hope. They wanted people to think that our Earth was beyond salvation. And with Emmeline, they were able to do just that. Why, Kenji says, stunned. Why would they do that? What do they gain? Desperate, terrified people, Noria says solemnly, are much easier to control. They used Ella's sister to create the illusion of irreversible devastation, and then they preyed upon the weak and the hopeless and convinced them to turn to the reestablishment for support. But that's just, that's just, that's not even all of it. I'm just gonna, let's just delve into the rest of it real quick. She then continues, Emmeline and I were designed for something called Operation Synthesis. She was meant to be the architect of the world, and I was to be the executioner. What? So, okay, where... If the world isn't actually dying, and she's just been mind-controlling everyone to see it, like, listen, Tahara, listen, listen. What if a bird runs into you? Does your brain just tell you, oh, I've been hit by an invisible monster? Or does she convince you that you were never hit by anything? What? Like, the, the conclusion is literally, you have all been living in the Matrix. None of what, none of what you see is real. 
And not to mention, is the plan just to murder everyone? Is that what Juliet being the executioner means? I I just don't understand. Like, what the fuck was the point of creating a new governmental system if your plan is to just murder them? Listeners, the book still isn't over. <laughs> you still have like 30 pages at this point. So instead of delving more into whatever the fuck just happened there and whatever the fuck is going on and whatever the fuck the fucking purpose of this fucking book is uh we get to instead see warner and juliet have mad hot passionate sex to have it end with juliet and warner laying in bed and warner proposes she starts hysterically crying and says yes and then we have kenji banging on the door and he's like, you guys need to come to the mess hall, like, right now. And Warner's like, why? And Kenji's like, because. And Warner's like, but why? And Kenji's like, because. And Juliet's <laughs> like, no, I think we should go. And then they show up, and the book literally ends on Juliet throwing Warner a birthday party. <laughs> and that is our ending. <laughs> They spend, okay, I'm just going to put this in perspective for you. They spend double the pages (laughs) explaining the process of them having sexy times and then going down to the birthday party than they do with, no, 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 triple the time than they do explaining Juliet's big revelation that the earth is a lie. <laughs> is not really, not really dying. And, and then I, literally every single person oh, and on then, the has been mind controlled. And they're like, okay, happy birthday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little party blower. <laughs> well, and the only other thing, I think the only other thing, I think the only other thing we didn't mention is Juliet, Ella, The only other thing that Ella says that needs to happen is she needs to kill Emmeline because it's what she wants. So, like, I'm like, girl, you were just there. We're throwing it another. Literally just there. It's too late now. You left. So the the only note I really have to round this out because I didn't really know where else to put it in. uh, Tahara Mafi literally does not know how to create a setting. Because at no point in time did I ever feel like I could picture myself there because there is no description of surroundings. I think that's why it's so disorienting and why it feels like the action never stops because it it never does. You never slow down to get an explanation of what's going on around you. You get characters, emotions, you get long emotional dialogues, but there's never anything about the surroundings the setting you're right you're right i think that's why it's it feels so fast yes yeah. like breakneck yep. speed like you're like flying down this mountain and it's on fire and you're on a scooter and the scooter's also on fire <laughs> and so are you anyways final thoughts okay um positive thing from this book i was hysterically laughing at Kenji and Nazira's relationship the entire time because it was just so awkward and escalated. Angsty. And angsty. And, like, I just, I was very entertained. I was entertained by this book until the last hundred pages or so. But the beginning, I was very entertained. I will give Tahara that. (laughs) 
Um, I was disappointed. I know this is supposed to be a positive final note, but I will say I was disappointed that there was a lack of the fun language that we've come to know and love from her because I I complained about it. But now that it's gone, I miss it. My final thought is that today while I was searching, I was, while I was perusing (laughs) Instagram, I happened to see that Mod Cloth, uh, one of their posts was of Tahara Mafi modeling their clothing <laughs> with her book, and she looked fantastic. That's with true. her book, she looked fantastic. She looked um, gorgeous, and that is that's it. That's it. That's my final thought. <laughs> Girl can work it with her promotions. <laughs> you know what? We all have Anyways. our strengths and our weaknesses. I will say there was a moment in the book where she had said something about oh well way to bury the lead ella she spelled it l-e-d-e so me and my brain and mind yes i am an english major me and my brain i'm going you spelled it wrong you idiot i googled it luckily before this episode came out and i made that stupid note because she is 100 percent correct it is spelled l-e-d-e in journalism that is how you say lead that you would bury the phrase was used correctly. I am no smarter than any of these authors, and I have no authority. Um, and that's all. I was I was very embarrassed, and so I thought I'd tell you all so you can shame me on Twitter. Book recommendation. I know you're all readers, and so most likely you have already read The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Uh, I remember when it came out, I remember it sweeping the nation, I remember reading the whole series and loving it, but I feel like somewhere along the way, we've gotten so many dystopian novels that it's easy to just write it off or watch the movies and think, wow, this is the stupidest love triangle I've ever seen. Well, I've been rereading the series. I am on the third book. I haven't quite finished it yet, Um, but I've gone through it within a week because I can't put them down. This is the most interested I've been in a book for a while. I've been struggling to find things that keep me engaged just because I have so much else going on that I always feel guilty for reading. But a lot of books will age badly, but I feel like these did not. Um, And I'm not going to go into a, a summary or anything because I feel like everyone's pretty familiar and if you're not you can find it easily but um whether you've read these books before and you're going back for a reread or this is your first time reading the books you've only seen the movies and heard about it Suzanne Collins is a wonderful writer and the books are actually very funny yes and it's a very good a a lot of the books that we're reading have been playing off of the tropes that she set up and pulled off successfully and failing. Um, So if you want to go back and read the book that started it all, go back and read The Hunger Games. Um, Yeah, I recently also reread just the first book. um, And then I also watched the the movie because I had a friend who forced me to not only watch it, but I also paid for the movie. And then she (laughs) fell asleep immediately afterwards. And I was stuck watching this god awful fucking movie that doesn't like, did they even read the book? I don't understand. Anyways, whatever. I digress. (laughs) For our non book recommendation, I'm going to recommend if you have ever been curious about literally the ins and outs of mine and Savannah's relationship, go watch the movie (laughs) Booksmart. (laughs) <laughs> it is we've we've each seen it several times at this point but it is it is like they just 
they photocopied they our relationship into us. teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> it's creepy. It's creepy how similar everything is. It's a really funny movie. I'm not even get, going to get into a summary because I just feel like you should just go watch it. It's hilarious. So, anyways, with that, follow us on Instagram at Worst Thing We Read. Um, follow us on Twitter at Worst THNG We Read. And follow us on Goodreads. Yes. Which our ats are in the description below. Oh, and send us an email at worstthingweread at gmail.com. Okay, well. And with that, we will see you all next week. Not with our eyes. But, but with, with our, our mouths. mouths.